0: in Southern California and Baja California. And then the uh, the eggs are eaten by California horn horn snails. And as if it wasn't bad enough to essentially be eating (laughs) The parasites subsequently castrate the snails. So now these snails will never produce their own offspring again. All of the energy that would have gone towards making more snails is now going towards making parasites, which are reproducing asexually. They're producing thousands of parasites. And when the snail gets submerged underwater, the parasites leave and they swim around in the water. When they encounter a California killifish, they burrow through the skin and follow nerves up to the brain. And they form a cyst up on the brain. And in order to complete the life cycle, the killifish needs to get eaten by a predatory bird. Dr. Wienersmith studies the
1: fish stage of things. And the infected fish do this weird thing. They flip over and they flash their light-colored bellies so that they reflect sunlight their bodies become giant shiny location markers for the predatory birds flying above. And research shows that fish who demonstrate these conspicuous behaviors are 10 to 30 times more likely than uninfected fish to be eaten by those birds, which is great news if you're the parasite and not so great news if you're the fish.
0: So a real clear evidence here that that this parasite is adaptively manipulating behavior to increase the probability that its host gets eaten by the next host in the life cycle. And this work was done by Kevin Lafferty. Uh, And then Jenny Shaw and her collaborators did controlled infections to try to figure out what this parasite is doing to brain chemistry. And what Jenny Shaw found was that when you stress fish out, if they're infected, they have very different brain chemistry than the uninfected fish. Usually when you stress fish out, they increase what's called serotonergic activity. And when you stress these fish out, they increase it much less. And so essentially what you need to know is it looks like the parasite is telling the host, no, it's cool, like, don't worry about this. Whatever it is that's stressing you out, just let it go.
1: Since the parasite sits on top of the brain and not inside it, that suggests that the parasite is secreting something that's also crossing the blood-brain barrier. Dr. Wienersmith says that finding out how the parasite does this could be useful in delivering things like anti-anxiety drugs to humans. Alright, so we've covered insect and vertebrate parasites. They can both teach us something about the brain. But there's one more parasite to cover, and this one affects mammals, including humans.
0: So let's talk about a mammal system. So we're going to talk about Toxoplasma gondii. So this is a protozoan parasite. And whereas my parasite needed its host to get eaten by birds, this parasite needs its host to get eaten by cats. And it breeds sexually in the guts of cats. And it produces a stage called an oocyst, which gets pooped into the environment. And then it accidentally gets eaten by rats and then also other animals like, uh, like mice and birds. Uh, And so it turns out a lot of animals are eating poop. This is something that you learn as a parasitologist that you wish you didn't know, but you can't unknow. Uh, And so anyway, so they they eat these feces uh, accidentally and the parasite starts reproducing in their brains and in their muscles. And the way the parasite gets back to the, the cat is that this host gets captured and the cat eats that tissue and the tissue has the infective stage and the cycle starts again. So Joanne Webster's lab was interested in knowing if the parasite was doing anything to manipulate the behavior of rodents in ways that would get them eaten by cats. And what she found is amazing. So she called it fatal feline attraction. And, <laughs> and essentially, so when you take rats and they're not infected, they respond reasonably to the smell of cat urine, which is to say they like freak out and leave, because it's probably a pretty good cue that a predator's in the area if they're like urinating in that area whereas if you infect a rodent with this parasite and it smells cat urine it stops finding it aversive it stops leaving the area and in fact in some of them they actually seem to be attracted to the smell of cat urine and we've looked at how the brain responds to cat urine and the part of the brain that's associated with sexual activity and getting turned on in rats becomes hyperactivated so it's like not only are they no longer afraid of cat urine but like it's kind of sexy The parasites were also found in the ejaculate of the male
1: rats. So when the male rats mate with uninfected female rats, the females get infected and have pups that are also infected. That got people thinking, does the parasite manipulate sexual behavior? So researchers had female rats choose between an infected or an uninfected rat. And the female rats actually chose the infected rat to mate with. Why would a female rat be attracted to an infected rat? Researchers still don't know, but they found that these male rats have high levels of testosterone. So it's possible the parasite is manipulating that.